When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Oilers tonight. Final 22 minutes. Good. First 38 minutes. Bad. And they lose 4-2 in Detroit. That's the quick summary in case you don't have time to listen to the whole show tonight. But that's really how it broke down. The Oilers with a lot of energy starting late in the second period. A lot of chances. They scored two goals. They made it interesting. They had some goal mouth scrambles that just went wide that could have tied the game, but ultimately not good enough. Detroit was no doubt the superior team, like I said, in the first 37, 38 minutes and for the game overall. Stuart Skinner started in goal for the Oilers, just his second NHL start, his first of the season, and he played really well, though unfortunately he was involved in one of the biggest mistakes of the game, though prior to that, Rob Brown. He was the big reason why the Oilers weren't down by more. Well, if you just uh, track his stopping of the puck, excellent. Uh, his playing of the puck, well, he had a, a Miko Koskinen moment as he went to move the puck behind the net and he just fanned on it. Uh, he, he had the right idea. He knew where he wanted to go with it. Uh, but when he went to move, move the puck, you could just see the toe of his stick just fluttered a little bit. Puck came off completely wrong. And... It, was bouncing back out in front. He's tried to stop it, got his pocket picked, and it's an open net goal for Larkin, which unfortunately proved to be the game winner. Having said that, looking at his body of work tonight, to me, he was the best oiler on the ice by far. The only reason the Oilers had an opportunity to get a point late in the game was because of the way he played through the first 38 minutes. So uh, it was not a great start for the Oilers and when I say start I'm talking 40 minutes yep. uh, too little too late they, they pushed in the third but again the Detroit Red Wings all they were trying to do was hold on because they stopped pushing forward because they had the lead and they did just enough got good goaltending both goaltenders were excellent tonight unfortunately the Oilers needed a perfect game to finish and they weren't able to accomplish that. Yeah, Najelkovic made some good saves as well. He came up with a sprawling poke check on Zach Hyman, who had a shorthanded chance in the third period. But, yeah, really for Edmonton, they just they were out-energized, <laughs> I mean, yeah. for, for lack of a better term. The, the shots in the first period were 16-9 Detroit. That shot clock might even flatter the orders a, a little bit. I mean, they, they had a couple of chances in the first period, but it wasn't just, I mean, Dave Tippett, talks a lot about he doesn't pay so much attention to the shot clock he more counts whatever you want to call them grade a chances Mm -hmm. high danger chances and and i would say that a lot of those detroit shots in the first period and some that didn't even go on net were of the high danger variety i mean yeah they had some off the rush but they had a lot of scrums where skinner had to sprawl down and and hold steady let's go back to detroit here's head coach dave tippett didn't play well enough to win we didn't win your goaltender in his second career start played pretty well, I would say. Played very well. Played yeah. very well, yeah. Was uh, lots of pucks coming at him in the first period. He played very well. Is he the best player on your team tonight? Well, he gave us a chance to win. 
made enough saves to give us a chance to win. You know, uh, when he allows that third goal, I, you know, he even said it was not a great play by him, obviously, but the way he responded, the way your team responded, is that uh, something that you, you, you kind of like to see from him? Yeah, he, play, he played well. He made, I mean, it's a puck error that happens now and then, but he played very well in the net. How, how would you explain or, or justify or what have you the, the start from your, your team tonight? We didn't play well enough. Sometimes you don't play well. We didn't play well enough. We'll take a question from Zoom. I think they're trying to get somebody on, on uh, Zoom there. Okay, let's see if we have it. Here we go. Just a lack of energy was an execution. What specifically did you think was maybe lacking tonight in the first 40 minutes anyway that you, you, you didn't really have earlier in the season? You just named it all right there. You just answered your own question. No, not enough urgency, not enough execution. They came out and played a desperate first period, and we didn't match that level, and we got behind. And do you have an update on Zach? No, not yet. I haven't talked to the trainers yet. We'll go to Jim Matheson. Hello, Dave. Yeah. Uh, anytime you fall down three go three goals, even to a team like Detroit, were you just playing with fire? You fell down four one last game. You fall down three nothing tonight. Is it? Last game, last last game was way different than this game. Last game, four, we were down four-one, and we were we were in the game. Tonight, we were down three nothing. Deserved to be down three nothing. Okay. Good. Thank you. Okay. What about Mark Speckman? Uh, yeah, Dave. When you lose, when you, I, I'd like to just ask you about Zach. He gets a chance on the second line. He's been playing pretty well. He had bad injuries last year. He played real well. Uh, just wanted to see him go out early. What does that do to your whole lineup? It uh, takes, takes, you, takes you out of some rhythm. You know, you have a game plan going in and it takes you out of some rhythm. So that's, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. I don't think it's too bad, but we'll, uh, we'll see where it is tomorrow. And do you... It, it didn't sound like you ever wanted to go away from that third line. It seemed like that's something you wanted to play. I guess, did you feel that it was time to... I guess I'd ask you why you felt it was finally time to shake that up. Yeah, they weren't. They've been uh, very average for the last two or three games. So we decided we we're going to shake it up a little bit. And going on the road with, we were going to try Ryan and uh, Yamo together because they penalty killed together and see if we could get a few more plays made. But uh, Cass goes out of the lineup early, so we didn't get really a chance to see what we were looking for. After your your power play has been so effective, what was the difference tonight? Didn't shoot the puck enough. Detroit's been rebuilding for years. What do you th think of their club this year? I'm more worried about my club tonight. Thank you. That concludes today's All right. Thanks. Okay, that's where this head coach, Dave Tippett, a man of few words after the loss to the Detroit Red Wings 4-2. The Wings win it, and as we are talking about, not a lot of energy from the Oilers, especially through the first two periods and uh, just flat out didn't play well enough and we'll discuss that as we move along tonight. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. As I, w I was saying before we brought Tippett on, 
the, the the first period, the puck just around the Oilers net so much. And Skinner, yes, he had to make a couple saves off shots from the slot or shots on rushes, but just jam plays where he's holding those pads against the post, trying to find the puck and just not getting a lot of help with the puck being cleared. Well, most of the Detroit opportunities came on the Oilers turning the puck over turning the puck over inside their blue line, turning the puck over inside their side of red of the red line. And when you turn the puck over in, in your own zone, your players are going offensively and, and they're leaving the zone and they're not expecting there to be turnovers. So now when you, get, you turn the puck over and the puck is in, the, in your crease area, you're usually outnumbered because your uh, forwards are usually up in the play expecting a, a normal pass and when you turn it over now they're chasing and when they're chasing there's that split second in front of the net where the opposition tonight Detroit has two or three whacks while they're outmanning you and you saw that time and time again and that's what was so big about the, the start for Skinner is a lot of those chances are when the others were outnumbered and he's had to make not one but two saves or three saves and, and he was very very good at it so it was a a, a nice start like he was a feel-good story in the preseason and a lot of people were hoping that he would play in the last seven or eight games whatever Koskinen started but Koskinen had been playing so well you're thinking well why but with Smith hopefully coming back from injury soon Skinner's going down to the minors and other teams like you know what you've been a good soldier you've been up here for three weeks let's give you a start and see what you can do and he came in and he was he was excellent to me the the two stars the two best players in this game were the two goaltenders uh, both young goalies that that stood on their heads and uh, at times were the difference for their team having a chance to win a game and for the Detroit Red Wings winning the hockey game. So, Skinner, I think the Oilers organization's got to feel good. The improvement, I mean, from the two starts that Skinner's made at the National Hockey League level, the one last year against Ottawa and tonight, night and day. Like, that was a completely different goaltender in this hockey game than we saw last year against Ottawa. So good on him. It means he's doing what he's supposed to be doing in the minors. Yeah, both games he plays, he faces 38 shots as well. So, you know, he wasn't, he didn't have uh, quiet nights in there. Yeah, and we're going to hear from Skinner in a few minutes. Just, and, and you know, Rob, if if, if it was a veteran goalie, I, I don't know how you feel. If it was a veteran goalie that fumbled that puck, I, I feel like maybe I'd be harder on him. Um, but just with him getting thrown in there. And, and again, it, it was it was a game in which he was up to that point well, for the whole game, the Oilers' best player. And it's not as if, oh, well, the, the Oilers were ahead 3-2 and he handed Detroit the tying goal. I mean, the, the Oilers had scored and hadn't done well, much to that point. In all honesty, I, I have no problem with the play because it was a muffed shot. It was a muffed pass. He didn't throw it into the wrong place. He didn't misread the, the forechecker. He wasn't late getting to it. Uh, Connor McDavid tonight had three or four times where he muffed passes. Leon did. Pouchard twice missed the puck. He tried shooting twice. Both times he missed the puck. So it happens all the time uh, in, in games. Unfortunately, when it's your goalie that uh, fans on a, a pass, it's much more noticeable because it usually creates, A, either a goal or, B, a very good scoring chance. Uh, the, the ones where fans get on Koskinen, and sometimes it just he misreads the play and throws it where he's not supposed to or he's late coming out or, or something along that line. Everything was right about Skinner and he was putting the puck where it was supposed to go. But you can just see when he shoots it, it just goes off the end of his stick, off the toe of his stick, and then he gets the wrong angle off the backboard. So uh, a bad break, a bad bounce, and unfortunately ends up being the game-winning goal for Detroit. But it wouldn't have been the game-winning goal for Detroit because Detroit would have had 
I mean, four or five more goals if it was not for Skinner. He was excellent in the start. 4-2. Detroit wins it. That means a $200 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous, courtesy James H. Brown and Associates. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. They're given $100 every time the Oilers score throughout the season. And uh, it's usually been much more than 200 most of the year, but the Oilers simply didn't have enough going on this evening. And as Dave Tippett referenced, uh, things had to get changed around earlier. Zach Cassian, lower body body injury. So we don't know how bad it's going to be. Maybe we'll find out more tomorrow. Well, Dave Tippett didn't seem real concerned. So hopefully that's a sign that when he saw him after the first or when the trainer said after the first or second that it's a tweak or something along that line. Uh, it... There's never a, a good time for an injury for a player, but Cassian has suffered so many injuries over the last couple of years. His seasons have been der- derailed by them. Uh, he had been playing well. He was getting a chance on the second line. That's where you feel for him. Uh, but, it, and again, it's one of those things. Next guy steps up. Who's going to fill in for that spot? It's an open audition right now, and uh, McLeod's getting his opportunity in the lineup uh is tourist going to come back in now and will he be put maybe he's moves up in the lineup but someone's going to have to step up and do the job that cassian was doing the hard thing is there's not a lot of guys that can play the same style of game as cassian so it, it gets a little harder for the others to fill that spot that'll be our adjustment of the game for pro drain text for peace of mind down the line yeah and again we don't know how how severe it's going to be for cassian but a guy doesn't come back that always has you a little bit worried and we know Devin Shore is out four to six weeks so I mean we we knew it was going to happen yeah. right uh, injuries usually hit you one way or the other and so this shakes things around because f- as we've discussed a lot the Oilers have kind of had a top 10 mm-hmm. when it's come to forwards the, the top three lines have been generally intact I know Cassian, you know, missed a couple games earlier in the year, but and but generally they've had a top ten, with Shore being I'm going to call him the tenth guy because yep. he was pretty solid as the fourth line center. So now two of those guys are out, so McLeod's up from the minors, and now, you know, Sevier has been a healthy scratch most of the season. If Cassian's out, he keeps playing. So you know now, the the depth is is tested. Maybe it's not necessarily your scoring depth, but. Now you got to change some units that you were pretty comfortable with for most of the first 10 games. Well, the Oilers really have a top five that they're really comfortable with. Yamamoto, they're not sold on yet. Simply, I mean, he was moved off that line tonight. He's been benched earlier. Uh, he's just got the two points, I believe, on the season. So it, it's been a slow start for him. If you were to move someone like a Fogel up, because it was going to be Cassie, and if you move Fogel up, well, now your bottom six is a little barren. Mm-hmm. It's not what you were expecting. Uh, if you throw a tourist up there, well, now your second line's not as strong. So it, it, it's funny. It, it's Shore and Cassian, and that's not the household names of a Nugent Hopkins or Dreisaitl or, or McDavid, but those two players are permanent fixtures on your team, in your, in your lineup each and every night. When they're missing, all of a sudden... Uh, depth becomes uh, a, a difference. Depth becomes something that's much more dicey. And, well, I guess now you're going to see, can your play a regular shift uh, over a period of games? Is McLeod going to be able to make that jump? Turris, is, he, is there a chance he can move up in the lineup? These are all things that are going to have to be answered, but I guess the bottom line is you hope that this is just a tweak and Cassian's back sooner than later. But whenever you leave a game and you're playing three and four, Usually the next two games, probably very questionable. So coming into tonight, 
The Oilers were one of two Alberta-based NHL teams to have only been beaten once in regulation time. So the Oilers suffer their second regulation loss. The Calgary Flames are currently on the ice against the San Jose Sharks as we check the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. The shot clock is not close, 23-9 for Calgary. The game is close. It's 1-1, Flames and San Jose Sharks. We'll keep you updated on that one. I can also tell you, in overtime, the Blues and Jets are tied 2-2. Early in the third, Chicago, with only two wins on the year, up 2-0 on Pittsburgh. Late in the first, Anaheim leads Vancouver 1-zip. Kraken up 1-0 on the Golden Knights in the first period. Boston holds off Ottawa for a 3-2 win. The Kings beat the Canadians 3-2 in overtime. Kempe gets the game winner there. Also in overtime, the Hurricanes over... The Lightning 2-1, so uh, Carolina remains just the uh, one loss on the season. The Devils, how about this, get seven on the Panthers. 7-3, New Jersey takes that one. And, of course, right here on 630, Chad Red Wings 4, Oilers 2. The Oil Kings lost in overtime tonight in Saskatoon, 4-3, the final. Okay, you can get us on the hotline, powered by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed, pro all the way, 780-496-0063. But first, back to Detroit. Here's goaltender Stuart Skinner. Much better on this one. I felt uh, more like I just played my game. Uh, I just went out there, just did what I normally do. It also felt good being able to get games before I play. Um, so, yeah, I felt much better. Uh, obviously, you kept your team in the game for, for large stretches. Um, obviously, the, the third one's probably one you want to have back. Can you maybe explain what, what happened there? Just fanned on it. Uh, hard fan. Uh, bad timing. Uh, yeah, if that didn't happen, we'd probably potentially still be playing. Um, so obviously it sucks. Uh, it's a, it a big goal, but um, at the same time, it happens. Uh, move forward and make sure it doesn't happen again. Did you feel like you had much of a chance on the first two? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think I feel like I always have a chance uh, on any any goal. Um, I mean, they, they played really hard tonight. I thought we played well. We made some really good defensive plays and... Uh, just a couple bounces didn't go our way. So I think your first game was a you know, really high-scoring game in, in Ottawa, or against Ottawa, rather, last year. Can you kind of assess how this one maybe was a little bit different than, than that game? Uh, well, I think I just played better. Um, I also think that uh, both teams just played hard defensively tonight. I think uh, it was just a good, solid game. And, uh, yeah, just, yeah. You know, after you allow a goal like that, do you, do the third one I'm talking about, does it, you feel like you kind of have to batten down the hatches to, uh, to allow your team to continue to have a hope in the game? Definitely. Um, believe it or not, I've, I've made a worse play before in my career, so, um, and we ended up winning the game. So I just kind of look back to that, and, you know, there, there's always a chance to come back and win a game. And, you know, we, we battled really hard in the third period, and we almost got it. Did you feel like it was it was coming, you know, a comeback in full? Definitely, especially after yes, he scored. That was a huge timing, huge time uh, to score a goal. Uh, going into the third period, we had a lot of a moment, momentum, and then uh, we got another one pretty quick by Dable, a uh, nice little five hole. So, um, yeah, I felt like we had a we had a really good chance. What does a start like this do? You know, aside from from the one obviously we're talking about, but what does the start as a whole do for you? Your confidence and, and you know potential game going forward. Yeah, I think it just. Uh, you know, for me, I feel like I uh, belonged, and uh, I think that's huge for for me. I think playing uh, playing my first game is a little uh, a little shaky. So after this game, I just you know feel a lot better about my uh, my game. Stuart, when did you find out that you were going to start? 
found out two days ago. Two days ago. Yeah. So what did the mental preparation look like? Did you try to change anything up or did you try to keep things routine and the same? Uh, try to keep things uh, the same way. Um, I mean, I've been preparing for this for, you know, quite some time now. I mean, the whole summer worth preseason, got to kind of get back in full of games, got to play a couple games in Baco. So I felt like I was game ready. So I think that, w- that was a huge help going into, uh, you know, my second NHL start. Throughout the preseason and tonight, it looked like, as you mentioned, you were a lot more comfortable between the pipes. As a big goaltender, is sometimes like less is more in terms of movement in the crease. Is that something that you've been working on maybe? Absolutely. Um, I think that's, you know, for any type of goalie, it's, uh, you know, the game, especially in the NHL level, it's much faster, uh, fast pace, good shooters, good game. So it's better to just simplify things. Um, I learned that a little bit the hard way in the first game, but I think just, you know, that one game was a huge learning lesson and I was able to, you know, simplify and, you know, make some saves. I just wonder, you know, you had a, quite a long uh, layoff in between games uh, going back to, you know, your first couple starts against Bakersfield. How do you kind of mentally and physically prepare for getting ready for, for a start when you're not sure exactly when that's going to come up until recently? Yeah, I think, well, on the mental side of things, I think going into every practice, going into every, you know, I got to back up uh, pretty well every game since I've been here. So um, just almost pretending like you're about it, you're got to go in. Um, so that you kind of keep that mental preparation, um, you know, sharp. And I think physically, I think, uh, you know, my practice habits, my workouts in the gym, I think Schwartzy has done a fantastic job with, you know, maneuvering the three goalies and uh, to, to get, you know, shots during the practice. So it's been, uh, yeah, I think I think I'd, we did a great job as an organization to prepare. Yeah, and, and the mental part of the game, that's something I know yes. you've been kind of preparing and, and working toward Bakersfield. Tell me a little bit about that and how you've kind of gotten to this point. Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, Mental preparation is huge, especially for a goaltender. Um, I think being able to get, a, you know, I think I got to start five games, three in the preseason and then two in Baco. So I think just being able to get that and, um, you know, kind of get into a rhythm, get into a routine helped. All right, that's Stuart Skinner. I'm always curious how athletes deal with adversity, bad moments in games. And I kind of appreciate what Skinner said. He told himself, well, you've made worse plays and you've still won the game so no sense acting dejected about it you still got to play well most players in the national hockey league at some time has made some bonehead play whether it be in junior college pro minor pro they we we've all done it the the best have made big mistakes uh and yeah you just you realize it's just one mistake it's one play and it's not you just don't let it define you as a player in that game so uh, tonight I mean that mistake was made but we're, we're talking about the number of saves he made the big plays that he made and there was a, a ch- time it was three nothing where he it was a two on one where the the player Fabry he must it seemed like he had a half an hour to set up and, and, and shoot the puck again another great save by Skinner so yeah a mistake was made and it is I think it was Sekera that said it years ago that if no mistakes were made in the game of hockey every game would be zero zero and so every goal that was scored tonight, there was how many goals? It was four, two, six goals were scored. So at least six big mistakes happened in tonight's hockey game. The only one that you really noticed big time was the Skinner one because it happened so close to the net. But I, I think that the Oilers organization is going to be pretty excited about the play of Skinner tonight going forward, whether it's this year, next year, or whatnot. They know he's capable of playing at the National Hockey League level. All right, Oilers lose 4-2 in Detroit, so their record now 9-2 and on the season. We'll go to the Certainty Hotline. Want to hear what Drew thinks uh, after Drew 
you know, Rob and I saying it was a, a good 22-minute game by the Oilers. Uh, the 38-minute game that started wasn't very good. What do you think tonight? Yeah, honestly, another slow start. But uh, you know what? Uh, that uh, that Crocker pot that we got going right now in development, that's a nice stew we got going. So I, I was actually pleasantly surprised. Obviously, I had the one gap, but I uh, wanted to really touch on tonight, that fourth line. Like, the pass to Prince, Perlini, I mean, geez, did he look like an all-star in preseason. I don't know if this is just another Carmi situation. I'm not talking Mike, his brother, obviously, right? And uh, preseason will fool a guy. I just got his jersey, and now he looks like, uh, you know what? Maybe we should be subbing him out. But uh, McLeod, he's on a different cloud, I'll tell you that much. He was... uh, his speed it looks a lot better on that fourth line. Looks like he can obviously move it. Just his, his wingers obviously just drag him down, right? So slow start, though. I don't like the way that the boys on the road right now are going that slow. Obviously, they have the power Perness to get those goals late, but is it too little too late? I don't know. Well, it definitely was today, Drew. Thanks a lot for calling. Yeah, but Rob and I, we'll talk about your Perlini point because Rob and I were talking about him during the game. I think I said, wouldn't it be... Yeah, this would be a good time for him to to finally get one after getting all those in the preseason. Look, we gotta we gotta assess the player thoroughly. Mm-hmm. He was not in the NHL last year. Nope. That tends to happen for a reason. You know that the perception of him that uh, he wasn't able to crack a roster last season. The Oilers gave him a chance. I always say this about the preseason, especially after you know covering the NHL closely now for several years. It's it's no guarantee things are going to carry over. A lot of times you are facing competition that is quote unquote inferior to what you'll see in the NHL regular season. But if you're if you're a coach or GM picking your team and a guy can't score or do well against non NHL competition, you're not going to give him a chance to do it against uh, NHL competition. So I think that's part of it per Perlini. And then, and then again, Drew touched on it. I mean. You don't get the ice time once well, it's a, your full lineup. And Well, per- Perlini made the team because he was the best choice at that position for what the Oilers had. It was between him and Benson, and in the preseason, it wasn't even close. Uh, and both Benson and Perlini have played in the, the preseason, but people keep forgetting. The Edmonton Oilers, with Connor and Leon, they don't play a four-lined game. Right. They don't. The fourth line, if they get seven minutes, that's a pretty good night. And that's what Perlini and McLeod play tonight with seven minutes. The Oilers' fourth line is never going to play because Connor and Leon are always going to be 22 minute-a-night players. And if the game, if they're trailing in a game, well, then they become 24, 25-minute game game-type players. So the expectations that your fourth line player is going to do anything is, I mean, there's a lot of hope for players that are getting out there very limited times. And as for Perlini being dragging McLeod down, McLeod did not have a good preseason at all. And again, tonight was just, I mean, really honestly, not really noticeable. And to the point where the coaching staff, when they shortened their bench, McLeod was not one of the guys going out there. Sevier ended up, I believe, playing more than, than uh, yeah, he played two minutes more than McLeod. So there was more faith in Sevier tonight than there was in Ryan McLeod. So Perlini, to me, hasn't been, he's not going to get the same type of opportunities to score as he did in the preseason because in the preseason, they rolled lines. There were games where Connor and Leon didn't dress. And when they don't dress, all of a sudden the fourth line goes from playing six minutes. Yeah, you're the second to, line. Yeah, now you're playing 12 minutes, 13 minutes. So uh, the fourth line, is it is what it is. It's a line that's more or less taking up some minutes and you want them to be be even just be even don't take a penalty don't get scored on if you do that 
then they Oilers' top three lines should be able to win hockey games for them. So Perlini did nothing wrong in the game. But, I mean, he, he wasn't real noticeable. But, he, again, it's seven minutes is not a lot of well, ice and, time. And that's why, like we were saying earlier, the, the the potential concern to me is Shore's out four to six weeks. Yes, what now. if Cassian's out four to six weeks? Then... Are are you back to re- relying are these on, players? Yeah, back to relying on basically four or five guys to score. All are the these games. players good enough to play? Is is right. a Perlini good enough to play twelve minutes a night? Is a McLeod good enough to play 12, 13 minutes a night? Those are things that now, if those guys are playing those type of minutes and they're not doing anything, that's a different story. But in seven minutes, don't take a penalty, don't get scored on. Uh, this is not a team that wants to run four lines because if you run four lines, that means Connor and Leon are playing less. So 4-2, Detroit takes it. The Nuge does not get a point tonight, including uh, not getting an assist for the first time since the first game of the season. So Don gets a $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. Excitement bet on it because he took the under for our set the line on the face-off show one and a half over under assists by Nugent Hopkins and uh, Don taking the under. So he gets the gift card tonight. All right, Dave, Graydon, and Jim, you guys are up next in the batting order. we got to call a quick timeout. Oilers fall 4-2. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. In by Raymond. He'll go to the right wing corner. He'll center it to Bertuzzi. Good save made by Skinner. Puck on the right side. Bertuzzi to the blue line. Letty in the middle. His shot. Nice save by Skinner. That was redirected in front of the net as that went off of Larkin. Puck on the left point. Letty walking in. He'll shoot it. Good save by Skinner. Got it with a left pad. All right, those are the saves of the game by Stuart Skinner, courtesy Reface Magic. Transform your kitchen with ease. See the magic at refacemagic.ca. Skinner stops 35, but the Wings score three on him and get an empty netter to take down the Oilers 4-2 tonight. Uh, All Detroit through the first uh, almost two periods. Yessi Pugliarvi finally got the Oilers on the board in the final minute of the second. McDavid scored in the first minute of the third and then the Oilers a pretty good third period with a lot of pressure. Pulled the goalie. Had a couple of chances. Could not cash it in and Moritz Sider gets an empty netter to close it out for Detroit. Got a text here. This is this is a good point because we talked about this more last year but I'm glad this person is bringing it up. Can you think of any game this year where the Oilers had a strong start to the game? Uh, well, I think there were a couple. Uh, <laughs> My memory's not. Our memory's always going, but but I mean that, that's that's a fair comment. And yep. I brought this a few times last year that even though the Oilers had a good record, their their goalie helped them. Smith and Koskinen had to be really good in a lot of first periods last year. I mean, just off the top of my head. I mean, they beat Arizona 5-1, did not have a good first period. No. But Arizona is is not a great team. They didn't have a good first period against Anaheim, eventually won the game. But they, they had a good first period against Calgary, from what I remember. No, the, or the one at the very beginning of the game, or beginning of the year, Calgary was out playing them badly until Anderson took the stupid four-minute penalty. Oh, okay. Yeah, Cal- the Calgary Flames had a number of great chances were out shooting the Oilers quite badly early in that game. Philly, uh, not great. The game in Vancouver, that might have been their best all-around game of the yes. year. I mean, they didn't score a ton, but they controlled that game. Uh, the others get better as the game goes on. Yeah. It's and pretty- I, I would, I, I'm glad that texture brought that up because I would like them to be a more assertive team early in games. Well, the, the reason why, the Oilers, if they were to get to, into the lead, 
that means teams have to take chances. And that's something you don't want to do against the Edmonton Oilers because uh, if you trade chances with them, they've got the better players, the more skilled players, the guys that don't need four or five chances to score goals. Whereas if the other team gets the lead, well, then they can sit back and they can play a much more conservative game, which is not as strong for the Oilers. So, yeah, uh, the Oilers, to be a championship team, and that's their goal. Their goal, I mean, winning divisions, winning conference, those are great. But it, you always talk about playoffs. You want to be a good playoff team. To be a good playoff team and win championships, you got to be much better. You got to you got to play 60 minutes. The teams that go to the into the final four and into the finals, those are pretty complete teams. That you're not, they're not finding themselves back three nothing, four one early in hockey games. Because when you're in the final four, if you're down three nothing or four one, those aren't the teams that you're going to come back on. Yeah. Those teams are just too strong. Okay, let's go back to the Certainty Hotline. We have Dave standing by. Hello, Dave. Hey, Reed. Hey. Uh, I uh, couldn't get to a TV tonight. I was trucking, so I really appreciated your broadcast. And uh, that was good to hear uh, Skinner had a had a good start. I was really uh, full informed to, to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing, I know you don't like crowd noise and music and all that. Uh, <laughs> no, I like crowd noise. I don't, I don't, I'm not a, I don't need all the promotions between okay. whistles and all the little games. I don't mind crowd noise, but I know I what listen. you're getting at. <laughs> well, tonight though, tonight though, the crowd noise was uh, interfering with the broadcast terribly. Like I'll call you and Rob the second line. Second line was great. Every time you guys came on, it was clear. But, First line, Cam and Bob, they let the uh, crowd noise dominate. It was interference. I thought my radio was bad, and then I put it on I put it on the radio app things, and no, it didn't make any difference. And then the commercials come on, they were good. But anyway, I think maybe your technical support, the third line guys, should be sent down or something. Because uh, well, guys are going to be put on waivers tomorrow, apparently, some oh, of yeah. the technical dudes. I don't know. It was just... Uh, Location, it, it hasn't been that bad before, but it was like two and a half hours of static. Oh, really? Okay. Well, thanks for telling yeah. us. Where, yeah. were you, where were you trucking today? Oh, I hauled a load of cattle down to Cargill at High River, and I was coming back from Calgary. Up, just parked now at home at Camrose. So. Oh, good yeah. stuff. Okay. Well, we yeah. appreciate the call, anyway, Dave. Good job on your part. <laughs> okay. We appreciate that. We like this coach. This is our favorite coach, this guy. 780-496-0063. We also have Graydon on the line. Graydon, go ahead. Hey, how you guys doing? Quite well. Yeah, well, this uh, road trip is going to be a, the first real test for the Oilers. And uh, they got a little ways to go. Uh, Skinner played a really, really good game. They had some chances in the third period but didn't capitalize. But... Uh, yeah, this is going to be a real test for the Oilers this uh, road trip. So. Well, I agree. I mean, I'm looking forward to the game against Boston. They're good. St. Louis. St. Louis, Winnipeg, Buffalo. Yep. I know Buffalo's actually had a decent start to the season. There's the belief they're going to drop off, but you don't know what's going to happen until it uh, Well, there's the belief that Detroit's going to drop yeah, off too, so, and Detroit and won tonight. It's back-to-back, and you don't know how the goaltending mm-hmm. is. I mean, Bob and I were talking before the game. You could see all three goalies yep. this week, depending on that's, Smith's health. So. That's my guess. Yeah. So yeah, I I agree. Like disappointing result tonight. They did they didn't play, they didn't play well enough. The Detroit initiated the game, but yeah, it was just. And and you reference this all the time, Rob. When when you're behind, you even if you turn it on, you have to 
have things go almost perfectly, mm-hmm. you know, which, okay, so you're you're behind against, let's even ignore 4-1 against the Rangers, even being down 4-2. Well, what do you need? Well, you need a power play early in the third. Oh, got it, scored. Yeah. You know, and then and then they're down 5-4. Well, what do you need? Well, you need your captain one to make you one of the, the greatest night. plays of all time. Yeah. To tie, to so tie you're it. asking for a lot when you start yeah, trailing. And they them. had, and they had, as, as we said, they had two chances shorthanded. Djelkovic made the saves. They had a couple Open uh, passes in front, deflections go wide. So if you're leading your tide, then it's like, okay, well, too bad, but let's just keep going. When, you, when you're down, then it's like, well, is that going to be our last chance? Yeah, you just can't keep testing fate and, and coming back. And again, these are things that you're, you're preparing for the playoffs. I believe that the Oilers now are a perennial playoff team. And the 82-game regular season is a preparation for that playoff to see who can play in certain situations, where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are, where can you fix things, where where are you going to excel at. So when you get into the playoffs, now you got your set on how you're gonna, your game plan is going to be. Well, the one thing that you're not going to see come playoff time is falling behind by two or three goals and continually come back against these teams because all the teams at that point, they've also improved, and it's the 16 best teams. And after the first round, it's the eight best teams. So if you're always finding yourself behind in hockey games, you're not coming back against a mid-season New York Ranger team or a mid-season Detroit team. You're now coming back against a season St. Louis or a uh, perennial power plows Vegas. It doesn't happen. So that's why you want to prepare to play in the playoffs by getting off to good starts. And instead of uh, chasing games, push the pace. Force Detroit to now all of a sudden get out of their comfort zone and have to catch you in a game that you're playing on the road. Get the lead. Uh, and that's one thing that... And then you can play four lines and all of a sudden your fourth line's not playing six minutes. When you're chasing games, now you're overextending the minutes of your top players. Okay, we have Jim on the Certainty Hotline as well. Hey, Jim, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Yeah, um, any team, uh, you know, the, in the league uh, that... Uh, don't start early in the first period or get behind it seems uh, they uh, they have a hard time you know the first period uh, most most teams uh, get uh, that get going usually win one point or two yeah well, there was a I, and I can't remember what it was we last year that before. stat because you it was a f- couple it, at least a couple years and ago it was over seventy percent of teams that scored first won their hockey at games. least no I think at least get a point oh is that what at it least was get a point yeah. so yeah so yeah the right there is pretty good reason to score the first goal in a hockey game so yeah you're absolutely right the, the if the Oilers want to be a championship team. They've got to get off to better starts because, again, and can't say and stress this too much, the teams that you're going to be playing in the playoffs are going to be the best teams. They're not going to be the teams that give up three nothing or three goal leads. They're the teams that close those games out. Yeah, and and we sh- we got to give Detroit credit here. They played well because they they played well. But part of being a good team is like we were talking about the other night. The game is a problem. You got to figure out, and the orders didn't yep. figure out that. And, and for me too, it's. It, it's one thing, and I know we got to do the news right away, Kellen, so we'll start this here and, and develop it more after, and you can still get us at 780-496-0063. To me, it's one thing, okay, there's there's a puck battle, there's a four-check. D- Detroit's going to win the puck sometimes. Yep. I mean, that's part of the game. They're still NHL but players. The, the, the bigger problem for me was how many times the Oilers actually had the puck and gave it away or got it to the blue line mm-hmm. and gave it away. 
So yep. Detroit didn't even have to touch up to be onside. They're just coming right back well, in. That, that was the biggest problem. Well, I you're, you're right. The Oilers created a lot of Detroit's chances. Detroit didn't have to create a lot in the first 20 minutes because the Oilers' mistakes created the chances that the Detroit Red Wings got. Okay, we're still going to hopefully hear from Connor McDavid tonight and, of course, more time for your phone calls. No Japanese Village goal light tonight. We only turn that on when the Oilers score five or more. And then you can go to 630ched.com, print up a coupon for a free appetizer Japanese Village. Try the legendary Wagyu steak cooked before your eyes. Reserve now at jvedmonton.ca. We're back after the news and weather. Heartland 4 overtime open line cross ice pass now in over the line mcdavid shoots scores connor mcdavid puts it under the pad that's as close as the oilers got tonight connor mcdavid scored 38 seconds into the third period edmonton trailed 3-2 at that point they wind up losing 4-2 in detroit mcdavid's ninth of the season he has an 11 game point streak to start the year that is the longest in Oilers history by anyone not named Wayne Gretzky. He shared the 10-gamer to start the year with uh, Sam Gagne, who did that a few years ago while a member of the Oilers. Gagne tonight, congratulations to him, played his 900th career game, and he got an assist on Detroit's first goal. Yeah, hey, we, we talked about Sam the other night when the excitement of the game against the Rangers, and we tried to figure out when did that, what was the last time we felt that kind of energy in this building to me? It was the Sam Gagne eight-point night where that's what it brought me back to me. Like, that's how fun that game was the other night. Unfortunately for the Oilers, they didn't carry that momentum over into tonight. Okay, we'll go back to the Certainteed Hotline. Daniel has given us a call tonight. Hey, Daniel, thanks for listening. Go ahead. Hey, guys, how you doing? Pretty good. Good. Hey, I had a question for Rob. Rob, you played for a long time in the league. Do you remember if it was easier or more difficult to get up for the first game of a long road trip? Um, we always felt that the first game was the most important because if you want to have a good road trip, it's easier to win when you win the first game. Now you got some momentum to carry on and there's less pressure. Whenever you lose the first game, all of a sudden the pressure just ramps up a little bit because you're already one under as you go into game two. And if for some reason you don't win game two, which is a tougher game for the Oilers in Boston, now the pressure ramps up even more. So uh, the first game is always uh, the most important for a team when they go on the road and unfortunately for the Oilers I, I just honestly I just think they may have been surprised at how good Detroit was capable of playing thanks Daniel we appreciate it yeah I also I mean you never know we can't get in their heads Do you remember of course you remember the goalie fight game yep awesome night Oilers played great the next game they got shut out in Arizona so I don't know if no, and no one off. remembers that. <laughs> yeah, but probably no one's going to remember this game specifically in two or three yeah. years, or maybe two or three weeks. Who knows? But I don't know if I'm just throwing it out there. Is there perhaps something to that coming off an emotional, an incredible yeah. high that mm-hmm. you you can't recreate it, or maybe you're feeling a little too good about yourselves? I don't oh, know. Yeah, 100. percent That has always been a problem, and it always is something that worries a coach. When it, there's things that worry a coach, it's when you come off an emotional high of a victory, or when the next game on your schedule is some important game, whether you're, it's a battle for first place or it's a revenge game or it's a battle of Alberta, sometimes you worry as a coach, you overlook 
the game at hand. So, yeah, so this is in one of those places right now where they had that emotional win. They're playing Detroit. Then they got a really big game in Boston, which everyone's excited about. This Detroit, this little game in between against a Detroit team, oh, they're playing better than people had expected. But really, it's the Detroit Red Wings with these young players who aren't going to be able to keep up to the stars of the Oilers. Well, they did. So, yeah, that's why I think that the Oilers maybe overlooked this game and this team a little bit. Uh, and it showed early in this hockey game as the Oilers did not look prepared for the speed and the uh, aggressive nature of Detroit, especially on the forecheck. Also tonight, Oilers did not score a power play goal. They were 0 for 2. The penalty killing did its job. The second penalty kill, the Oilers almost scored twice shorthanded, by the way. Uh, so Detroit was 0 for 2 with the uh, power play. Some, somebody texted in that they, they thought there should have been more penalties tonight. I don't know about that. There were two trips that should have been called. One on each one, team. One on each team that, to me, were blatant skates in the st- uh, sticks in the skates. Well, and the thing that bugs me about those ones... The one Barry tripped, I think it was Fabry, and Fabry had a scoring chance. He was going around Barry and has a scoring chance, and he had the puck. So it's one, all the refs should be watching the guy with yeah, the puck. Like that was it wasn't behind honest. the play. There was no crowd of people. It was one-on-one, and he, took, he, he got a stick under skate, fell down. And the other one was Connor McDavid. Again, he has the puck on his stick, and everyone knows anytime he's got the puck on his stick, it's a chance for scoring chance. He's going full speed in the exact same play where the stick went right under his skate. And again, the ref is right there watching. So those two were the ones that were very, very obvious. Both should have been called. So that's one each way. And other fans know that the more penalties called, usually favor the Edmonton Oilers because they have the best power play in the league. Oilers fall 4-2 in Detroit. You'll hear from Connor McDavid when we get back to Hartlett Ford Overtime Open Line. Game one of the Oilers' five-game road trip is a loss. Detroit wins 4-2, so they bump up their record to 7-5-2. The Oilers are now 9-2. Nemesnikov, two goals for the Wings. Larkin scored what turned out to be the game winner. Sider scored into an empty net. Hyman on, uh, pardon me, uh, Pugliarvi on a breakaway, scored in the final minute of the second period. McDavid scored in the first minute of the third. Cuckoo, Nurse, and Bouchard had assists for Edmonton. What happened there, Rob? The Zadorov for the Calgary Flames absolutely leveled some kid on the San Jose Sharks. I thought the kid was done. I didn't think he was getting up. No penalty, but it was a man six foot six hitting a man five foot ten, and the five foot ten player did not win. And San Jose scores with 15:42 left in the third to take a 2-1 lead on the Flames. It looked like kind of a innocent long wrist shot that was going to go probably eight feet wide and it hits somebody in front we'll see if well it looks like they got the camera on couture so we'll see if he deflected that or if it went in off a calgary player the shots are a little closer but still 28 19 for the flame so we'll see how this one developed here as uh san jose brought it through the neutral zone shot from the boards. Oh, that Zadorov hit the guy, the high Cal- guy. It hit uh, Calgary Flames defenseman Zadorov, and he, a wonderful tip by him. He had Markstrom going the wrong way and tipped it on his own goaltender. So there was a San Jose player and a Calgary player driving the net, and I thought it hit one of those two guys. But Zadorov was defending the long shot at about the faceoff dot. He didn't and, defend it very well, and he deflected it. And Markstrom's leaning to his right, and the puck goes back to his left. So San Jose jumps ahead. 2-1. Back to Detroit. Here's Oilers captain Connor McDavid. 
Uh, Connor, just quite simply, how did you assess your team's effort tonight uh, to start the five-game road trip? I uh, didn't love it. Didn't love. Uh, didn't love the start. <laughs> dug ourselves a hole again um, you know I liked our response I liked our third period you know we definitely had enough chances to tie the game but you can't keep digging yourself that type of hole uh, what is the message after a game like this how do you guys regroup because uh, you guys still have a pretty lengthy road trip ahead of you yeah, you never lose two in a row I think that's the main thing that's the focus now and that's all we can do uh, what did you think of uh, Stuart Skinner's play tonight I know his second career NHL start yeah I thought he was good you know I thought he did a good job of letting us get into the game um, you know, obviously, by the time we found our legs, we were already down three. So, um, you know, but I thought, uh, you know, he battled hard, and you know, we didn't, uh, we definitely didn't make it easy on him in front of him. So, um, you know, I thought, uh, I thought he was good. I know you said you're disappointed in your team's effort tonight, but on the other side, the Red Wings seemed like they were doing a really good job on closing down any open ice, getting sticks on you and Leon specifically. How did you assess their play in in, in, in tonight's game? Um, yeah, they're they're good. You know, they they played well. Um, you know, every time we're in the in, in this building, it seems to to go that way. Um, you know, they uh, they check hard, they skate well. Um, you know, they did a lot of good things tonight. Connor, obviously, Stuart Skinner played well, but he had the he did have the gaff on the third goal. Was that a, a case where you guys would really want to try to pick him up after a play like that, considering he had played so well to that point? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, you know, he played well and and. Uh, um, you know, obviously, a mistake there, but everyone makes mistakes. You know, that's just the way it is. Did you did you feel like you know when Puliyarvi got that goal, it kind of gave you a little bit of a jump heading into the third period? Definitely, yeah. You know, we talked uh, down three. You know, we just needed to get it to one and give ourselves a chance in the third period, and we did that. And you know, Jess makes a good play, and um, you know, we score early in the third, and we have lots of chances. And um, you know, it's frustrating we couldn't tie it up, but. Um, that's the way it goes. Yeah. Do you feel like you, you just kind of ran out of time in terms of the way you guys were going? Yeah, maybe a little bit. You know, again, you can't start. You can't start from three down. Um, you know, that's just the way it is. Yeah, that's uh, Connor McDavid. Pretty, pretty obvious comment. <laughs> three can't be three down, especially two games in a row. And, and Tippett said as well, the the game against the Rangers didn't necessarily feel like a four-one game. Uh, this game, the deficit felt a little larger. Well, in the the game against the Rangers, there was a couple goals that you thought, you know, Koskinen has been making that save uh, most of the season, and that one probably he would want to have back. Tonight, uh, through the first 40 minutes, there's probably about five or six that you're surprised that Skinner made the save because they were that good at scoring chances, and he kept making it. So the Rangers weren't dominating, the Oilers, when they were up 4-1, the Detroit Red Wings were certainly dominating the Oilers tonight when they were up 3-0. Okay, 4-2 is the final in favor of Detroit. 780-496-0063. If you want to give us a ring, this is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. 4-2, the final Detroit over the Oilers this evening. Just looking at some of the other stats. 39-33. Detroit with the advantage in shots on goal. The ice time leaders for the Oilers. McDavid plays 25-08, had two shots on goal, went 11 for 16 in the faceoff circle, had a good game there. Drysaddle plays 24-28. Actually, Drysaddle did not have a shot on goal tonight. Eight out of 16 in the faceoff dot. Darnell Nurse played 23-04 and led the Oilers with six Shots. Uh, Jesse Pugliarvi had five shots. He got a goal. He had a goal tonight, so he's up to six on the season for the yeah. uh, Red Jesse Wings. P- Jesse played very well tonight. He did. 
Tyler Bertuzzi for the Wings played 21:03, had uh, four shots. Uh, Philip Ronick on defense played 23:09. I believe he was the ice time leader. Oh no, Nick Letty played 23:16. So a little bit more. Oilers had the slight faceoff advantage, 52 percent. They won 29. The Wings won 27 faceoffs, but the Oilers uh, fall short. And really, as we were saying, the theme is the Oilers had a, played about uh, a 22-minute game. <laughs> and uh, most nights, that is not going to be enough. Okay, so the road trip continues the, the back-to-back on to Buffalo and Boston. I think the story to watch tomorrow, we'll see if there's an update on Zach Cassian and maybe an update on Mike Smith too. Yeah, uh, it'd be great to get Smith back in there playing again. To me, and this is just guessing, the fact that Skinner played tonight leads me to believe that they are preparing to have Koskinen just play one of two, and that's why I believe Smith will be back to play one of the games on the weekend. So I'm expecting Smith to be back. The Oilers are hoping that he is, and as far as Cassian, you just hope it's a tweak and it's something that's not any kind of long-term because Cassian had, had had a nice start to the season and had solidified a third line despite the fact he was playing the second tonight, it solidified a third line. Uh, having said that, if it if he's out, the Oilers' depth is going to get tested, and you're going to see what some players who have been limited with the amount of ice time they've had can do with a little bit more ice. Kyler Yamamoto finished with three shots on goal. Warren Fogel, who I thought was pretty good in the second half of the game, finished with a shot. Unfortunately, both guys were minus two. Uh, the only plus Oiler tonight well, it was Pugliari, wound up uh, plus one for the game. So part of the stat story, so the Oilers now 9-2 and two on the season. Our next game is, uh, like I said, Thursday at Boston. The face-off show 3.30 in the afternoon here on 6.30, Chad. The game is going to start at uh, 5. Uh, Rob, quickly, is more of the final 90 seconds. What was it like for you going into Boston? Uh, fun. I was a Bruin fan growing up, so I used to love it. Uh, scary, because they had some big, mean players that were very physical, Against me, I had one of my favorite goals ever, though I scored my 40th goal of the season in Boston. Uh, I was back-checking. Bob Airy tripped a player. The referee put his hand up. The Boston Bruin player got to the blue line, got poke-checked. I thought we had a penalty, so I just turned and shot the puck down the ice, thinking that they were going to blow the whistle. Andy Moog had skated to their bench because he thought there was a penalty, but the ref put his hand up. And then for some reason changed his mind and put his hand down. Their goalie was on the bench. I shot the puck down into an empty net by accident. I wasn't planning on shooting at an empty net. Had I l- tried, I probably would have missed, but it was ended up being the 40th goal of the season for me. Well, it's like you said the other day, the good scorers just know where the net is because it's never moved. <laughs> it never has. I knew where the net was, but it was mainly a frustration shot that turned into a goal, and there was a long argument with Andy Mogan, the referee, after that one. Okay, get more on this game on 630Ched.com or globalnews.ca. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. We've been in the Friesen Brothers broadcast Center. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers lose 4-2 in Detroit. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.